today we're going to talk about encouraging one another. How many of you like to be encouraged? How many of you like it when you're scared to death, you don't know what to do, you're full of anxiety and worry, and the right person with the right word comes up and says, hey, you can do this, you can do this. God's with you, I'm with you, who can be against you, amen? I mean, that's what we want to know, right? This is, this is what we want to know anytime we do anything in life. Is God with me on this? Is God got my back on this? You know, if you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you, were gonna, you, you would want to know, is not bowing down to this idol the right thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? And, you know, and, and then you had Daniel in the lion's den. Is praying to God when, you're, when they're saying not to the right thing to do. And here's the thing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At least there was three of them to encourage one another. It's always easier to face the firing line when you have two people that are going to get shot with you. But when you've got to go solo, when you've got to go by yourself, when the world is against you, and when you know what the Word of God says, and you know that you've got to do what the Word of God says, despite what everybody else says, you need encouragement. And sometimes the only encouragement that you may find is through the Scripture alone and through the Holy Spirit speaking into your life to say, hey, this is what you've got to do. This is what you've got to do. I've seen people look at my dad his whole life in many situations thinking, man, you are a crazy individual. But in the end, they go, man, I'm glad you listened to God on that. I mean, I, I love the stories. I don't think he ever went. I, I, I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to invite you to my church if I lived overseas because there's a lot of crazy stuff happened when you left. But it, it had nothing to do with dad. What it had to do with was stuff was coming, and God spared dad's life multiple times going to the Philippines. I remember one time as a kid, dad went to the Philippines, and um, he was kind of like the rookie preacher. But they had chosen him to preach in Manila, right? Manila? Yeah, the, the last day. And these big, you know, upper echelon guys that were up in the, 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 the ministry that brought him over there, they, they offered him the platform to speak. And But Dad, before the opportunity came for him to speak at this big crusade in the Philippines, the Holy Spirit told Dad, you need to leave now. And so dad goes to telling these people, hey, you know, I need to leave. And they're like, you're crazy. I mean, they, they said, you're crazy. What, you're, you're, you know, this is a big opportunity for you as a, as a young minister to, to do this. I mean, we're, we're selecting you over people of, you know, more experience, prestige, or whatever. Yeah, 19 college professors, and you're going to turn this down? And dad says, well, it has to do with the fact that God is telling me I need to do this. And... Um, this was the hotel incident, right? So dad leaves early upon the, 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 the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and that night a bomb goes off in the room next to his in the, in, in the hotel in Manila. And the guy calls dad later after, you know, ridiculing and all that, going, man, we're glad you listened to the Holy Spirit. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you may only have the encouragement from the Holy Spirit from the Scriptures in yourself, but, but today I want you to really understand what to be encouraged means you when you're truly encouraged you won't be running off into a fight that you're fixing to lose 
you know, when you're truly encouraged, you will be doing the right thing for the right reasons and having the right heart to carry you through uh, with the right momentum. So uh, I want to say just a couple things to you. First of all, God has something better for me. I just looked on Facebook today at some encouraging things, all right? But what I want you to do is I want you to be able to look at things and, and really truly get what they're trying to say. First of all, God has something better for me. I just have to wait. Now, how many of you think that's encouraging? How many of you are waiting on something better from God? But here's the thing. Are you waiting? Are you obeying while you're waiting? Some of you are just waiting, but you're not obeying while you're waiting. Therefore, your waiting is going to be a very long time. And in the end, you will not be encouraged. You're going to be saddened-faced and discouraged. And then you're going to question God. God, why aren't you pulling through? And then everybody else is going to look at you and think, well, God's leaving them high and dry, not knowing the reality of your disobedience in your life. And then they're going to think, man, now I'm discouraged to do what, they're, what we thought they were doing. Um, when we put our problems in God's hands, he puts his peace in our hearts. Amen? That's encouraging. With God, all this is scripture now. With God, all things are possible. Amen? That's in Matthew. That's encouraging, right? And we'll come back to that in a moment. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 18 says this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. So what is the result of encouraging one another? Building one another up. Building one another up. It says, just as you are doing, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Now, why do faint-hearted people need encouragement? Because they lack courage. They lack courage to do what God is calling them to do. Therefore, they're faint-hearted. I, I joke all the time, I'll go to CrossFit to work out. And, and like they, they write the workout on, a, on the board. And you go in there sometimes, and it looks hideously scary and I'll walk in there and I'll look and I'll say oh my heart has just turned to water because you hear you know the, the the story of God intervening in battles in the Old Testament and it said and their hearts turned to water and they turned and fled you know before the army of God um, but but people that are faint-hearted they need to have courage instilled to them to to courageously do what God is calling them to do to not be afraid uh, we, we read about Joshua Joshua told, uh, God told Joshua, said, hey, because you and Caleb, of the 12 men that went into the promised land on the first venture, the first reconnaissance, uh, those were the only two guys that said, hey, it's scary over there. There's some big giants, but there's awesome stuff, and God said it's ours, so let's go. The rest of the guys, they looked at the circumstance. They looked at the perceived reality. They looked at it and said, no, we can't go over there because... It's just too much for us. Even though God said, this is what we want you to do. And because of that, that whole generation had to die off before the next generation came into the promised land and, and took what God had for them. But Caleb and Joshua, out of that generation, were allowed to go see it because of their faith. And, and, and it, they were encouraged. They were, you know, they, were the, they were in the situation where they're not going with, the pop, they're not going with popular vote they're going with the encouragement of, hey, we have this thing called faith. 
this is what God said, this is what we believe, and we have the courage to believe that. We have the courage to pursue this because God is with us. And who can be against us? And so encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. There's another one another right there. Uh, and to everyone, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this here, this scripture is encouraging. Say, you know, this, this is God's will for us. This is the, 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 what's going on in our life is, is what he uh, intends for us to have. So God has something better for me if I just have to wait. How many of you agree, though, we need to obediently wait upon the Lord? If we have a situation in our life that we are not walking in the faith that God writes to us in his scripture and speaks to us, can we expect things to change with the promise that God gives gave us in relation to that promise you see we 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 get the the positional and the situational mixed up in our lives sometimes let me tell you something very very encouraging despite how sinful i was despite how horrible i was jesus laid his life down for me that i through faith in him and what he did for me would be able to when i die live in heaven for eternity amen that's very encouraging and and now that i have received this gift of grace this this rebirth that i have experienced this born again experience that i have it's not based on on me it's based on my faith it's based on what jesus did jesus paid it all amen but situationally in my life as a christian there are principles that I live by in the Word of God. And there's promises that come through those, those words. I read the Word of God. And, and, the, and the Bible says, if you do this, I promise you I'll do this. Now, how many of you got a friend that if they told you they would do something, or if, they, or, or, or if you had a hard time, you know that that friend would be there for you? That's encouraging, isn't it? But how much more encouraging is it to have that word from a God who does not lie, from a God who is more powerful than any best friend you could ever have in this life. I mean, how encouraging is that? To know, like, Joe, that was awesome the way Joey said it. We think God is just a little stronger than the strongest person we know. We think God is just a little smarter than the smartest person that we know. But God will put anybody to shame in strength, wisdom, or stature that, that we know. Because he is that much more in depth than anybody we can know. So God has something better for me. I just have to wait and be obedient until he responds. Amen? Uh, we put our problems in God ha God's hands. He puts his peace in our hearts. How do we put our problems in God's hands? Do we just like, God, I'm not going to worry about this. You take care of this. We say, God, this is what you're asking me to do in this situation. And by doing this in this situation, I'm putting it in your hands. And therefore, I can be encouraged that since I'm doing this the way you've asked me to do it, you're going to fulfill your part of the promise to say, hey, I'll be there for you, and I'll make it happen. With God, all things are possible if we do things God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, what we have to do is we have to differentiate being optimistic 
versus being encouraged in the Word of God. We can't just be going through the motions and say, well, I'm just going to believe that everything's going to turn out all right if we're not doing the necessary steps for them to turn out right in the first place. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together. Uh, shall men give unto your bosom? What's the, what's the steps there? I give, God gives back. God blesses me. Train up a child the way she go, that when he grows old, he may not depart from it. There's a stipulation there is that I train the child up in the way he should go so that when he grows old. You see, there's a cause and there's an effect, but there's a promise, and these are principles in the Word of God. I can't just... You know, be, a, be a, uh, a distant father and have nothing to do with my kids and just be optimistic and say, well, it'll all turn all right. Because that's what we do as Christians sometimes. We, we, we have a problem in our life, and we, just be, we think that just being optimistic is the answer instead of diagnosing the issue and saying, God, what is it that you're asking of me in my life? What is it that I need to do for you to, to, to move into my life. So optimism is the tendency to look on the more favorable side of events or conditions and to expect the most favorable outcome. So it's going to be okay. And what happens is, here's the, well, I'll get to it in a minute, but what happens as Christians is we're, we're very quick in any situation. Somebody's having a problem. We don't know what to say. We don't know what the Word says about it because we don't read it. And we just go up to somebody and say, it's going to be okay. I mean, are we, are we guilty of that? It's going to be okay. Or in our life, you know, think we're struggling with things and, and we're trying to figure out what it, what it is that needs to happen in our life and we say, it's just going to be okay. You know, we try to be optimistic. Now, let me tell you this. If your optimism is based on the faith and what God says, is that good optimism? You're dang sure it is. Because when you believe in what God said he will do, and you operate in that, you better be optimistic because faith is optimistic. Faith is believing in God's going to do what he said he will do. Encourage is to inspire with courage, spirit, or confidence. Confidence. He says here that we're to encourage one another. We're to give one another confidence. We're to give one another confidence. Now, you understand that faith there's, there's the faith that we have in God, and what he's, but you, you realize that faith could be in other things too. Faith that, you know, uh, the, the song, you know, i got to have faith. How many of you hear people, oh, all you got to have is faith? You realize that's kind of a very general, dull statement. Faith in what? You know, I mean, I, I sit on one of these chairs. I have faith in that chair that it's not going to fall when I sit in it because it's structurally sound. Some of us put our faith in things that we shouldn't put our faith in. Some of us, you know, putting faith in something means that you trust it and that you count on it, that your confidence is in that. So, you, so faith isn't just limited to Christianity. Faith is, is, is the expression of what do you believe in? What do you trust in? What are you putting your faith into? You see, the, the, the Muslims, they put their faith in Allah and the Buddhists, you know, they put their faith in their God. And all these people put their faith in different things. And some people put their faith in money. And some people put their faith in their children. Some people put their faith in their houses. But, you know, for us as Christians, our faith resides in God. Our, our faith resides in Him. 
and who he is, what he says, what he stands for. I mean, because an individual isn't just, you know, like me. I am, Chad West is, is the body. It's who I say I am. It's, it's, it's everything about me. And so we put our faith in God. So we don't just want to be optimistic and hope for the best. We want to be encouraged by confidence in truth, in fact, in reality. You know, and there's just some situations that optimism won't change the reality that you're in. But faith is based in reality when it comes to God. Believing God will do what he said he will do is true. It is good to go. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, okay, the conviction of things not seen. Now, let me ask you this. When you're assured of something, how does it affect your attitude? If you go to do something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like say, say, you, say you know that you can do a cartwheel, and if somebody asks you to do a cartwheel, what is your confidence? What is your, what is your demeanor going to be? My goodness, I can do a cartwheel. I will do a cartwheel for you. But if you're not real sure, you ever ask somebody if they can do something that they can't do and they make a faith, they're like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, there's no confidence there. So your attitude, you know, you know, the Bible says whatsoever is in our heart, it, it comes out of our mouth, it comes out of our life, it comes out of our countenance. And, you know, if we have full confidence and we have full belief to know this is going to happen, then what, what does our countenance say about that if we truly believe it? You know, because we all, all, all of us are guilty at times. We, we say we believe this, but our countenance shows otherwise. Our countenance shows what we truly feel in our hearts. Our countenance tells us if we're encouraged or if we're discouraged, if we're afraid or if we're brave and if we know that we can do this. So, so you know, the assurance really affects our attitude. Um of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, conviction, this is, this is what's very, very important because we say things and we say good, we post great things on Facebook and if we, say, if we say that God has something better for me, I just have to wait, but we don't have the conviction to give us the truth that, that gives us the principle, that gives us the guidance behind that as the foundation. It's just a statement. But see, conviction comes from our beliefs. Amen? I mean, what, what is it that convicts you? What is it that, 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 that makes you convicted about something? It is your personal belief. It is what you hold as true, is what you hold as fact. And as believers, what dictates our beliefs? The Word of God. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the, word and the, hearing the Word of God. Amen? I mean, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Because the faith tells us these are the convictions that we are to have. I mean, you know, some people, so I know this, that I know because I believe in Jesus Christ and his, his, his life and his death and his resurrection, because I believe in that, because he has atoned for my sins, that when I die, I will go to heaven. That's my conviction. You can't change that. I believe in that. And, and when, I, when I think about dying... My countenance is clear, it is calm, it is peaceful, the fact of where I'm going for the rest of my life. Amen? 
How many of you feel that way? I mean, yeah, I'm not saying you're not afraid of death. I mean, everybody's like, dang, how's this going to happen, you know? But I'm talking about once it's over, once you leave this earth, you know, my confidence is not shaken of where I'm going to spend eternity. It's going to be in heaven with God. Can, can you imagine? Do you think we've ever seen a movie that can demonstrate what God, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, what it's going to feel like to be in the presence of God, to see Jesus face to face? I, I'm, I'm thinking it, it's, it's got to be a, a breaking experience to, to look him in the eyeball. You ever, you ever look somebody in the eyeball that's done something really, really, really great for you? You know, like loans you $20 or something? You're like, thanks a lot. You know, Jesus gave his life for you knowing what he knew about you. And to, to, be, to be able to look him in the face and to see that love that he has for us has to be tremendous. So, so our attitude should reflect our convictions. And our convictions just can't be optimistic. or well. Our convictions have to be based on fact of the word of God. And, and it says here, it says, the conviction of things not seen. And let's say this, yet. Yet. Everybody say yet. I'm going to heaven one day. I haven't seen it yet. But one day I will see it. And I want you to know this, is that conviction comes before confirmation. Because this is how faith works. God wants you to have a conviction. God wants you to have faith. God wants you to believe in him, trust in him, uh, in whatever situation it is in your life, before he confirms the fruit of that faith or that belief. So we have to find out what do we believe, and we have to pursue that belief, and we need to do it with courage, and we need to be encouraged by this to know that, hey, I don't see it yet, but God said it's going to happen, and I'm going to live like it's going to happen. And I'm going to smile about it, and I'm going to be encouraged about it, and I'm going to encourage everyone around me about it because they need to pursue the same faith and the same truth that I am pursuing in my life. So biblical encouragement is not just not justifying. Here's This is what sometimes we do is when we have a lack of repentance or faith and things aren't working out in our lives, we come up with some cool little sayings, you know, to make us feel better. It, may, it justifies what we're doing. I mean, you see people, they're, they're totally, they're doing, they're doing the opposite of what God asked them to do, but they're saying optimistic statements. It's going to be all right. Imagine Jonah, when he got on the boat, Jonah said, you know, this is going to be all right. I'm going to be okay. I've got professional sailors rowing this boat in the opposite direction of what God wants me to go. It's going to be all right. And God's like, yeah, that's what you think. Matter of fact, I would, you know, wouldn't it have been better if he repented on the beach instead of out in the middle of the ocean? You see, because God is the best father ever. God knows how to discipline us in love, amen? How does, how does God discipline us as believers? In love. It says that it's proof that he's our father, and it's proof that he, we are his children because he loves us. He says, what father wouldn't discipline his children? You see, so all things work together for good of those that love Jesus, right? Even the stuff when Daddy gets on to us. And so, you know, so God is like, all right, Jonah. He says, I'm going to let you get out there. And it, says that, it said that these professional 
seafarers, it said they rode hard to get him up to the next shore. And, and, and Jonah was so optimistic that he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And everybody went down there and woke him up and said, Hey, dude, I know you're optimistic and all, but we're dying here. Get up and do something. And then they all figure out what's going on. Oh, Jonah's angered God. They didn't, you know, I think these guys, as a result of Jonah, they all ended up, you know, believing in God, you know, and, 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 and honoring him. And then there's, okay, well, we got to throw you off the boat, dude. So they chunk him off the boat, and then the whale swallows him up. And for three days, it said that Jonah cried out of the belly of a whale. And what do you think he was crying? He was crying truth. He was crying to truth. He was crying to God. He was like, God, give me the courage to do what I need to do. And he had so much courage, it said he made a three-day trip in one day running. He ran so dang fast when he hit the beach. <laughs> Amen? So we can come by courage in various ways. Sometimes our courage is we fear this, but we fear this way worse than we fear this. I'll take the lesser of the fears. <laughs> oh, man. Lord, it reminds me of Dad growing up, you know. You want this or you want this? I'll take this least one right here. Oh. So biblical encouragement is not justifying our lack of repentance and why things are not working out. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, what we say has to be, it has to be optimistic, but it has to be optimistic based in the truth of the Word of God. Uh, biblical encouragement is not being optimistic despite our lack of trusting God's Word. It's not a, it's not a can-do, you can't do squat without God. It's being optimistic in God, not you, without God. It's being optimistic in God and what He says will happen. So, so here's, here's what biblical encouragement does. Biblical encouragement instills the courage. Biblical encouragement instills the courage to believe that God will do what he said he would do through the conditions he said that he would do it. Amen? That's what, that's what it has to be based in. And it has to be based in truth. It has to be uh, based in faith. And so we see Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, who, who does it work good for? Those who love God. Now, and then you read John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. And if you love me, you'll do what I asked you to do because you're doing what I've asked you to do, all things are going to work for your good. So we can't do what God has asked us not to do and expect all things to work out for good. Now, it will work out for the benefit of our discipline or, or, or whatever, but here's the thing. God desires good for us. God teaches us this is how you go about that. We've got to quit doing the opposite of what we need to do to get the results that we want. You know, I could, I could go to CrossFit every week. I could go to the gym and, you know, Get around a bunch of optimism. I have never lost weight due to optimism. Man, you're looking good. Okay, well, I haven't lost any weight or anything, but thanks, you know. And I could go in there, you know, but there's, there's, there's things that we have to do in, 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 in whatever area of our life that we need to do. But here's, here's the results of this, and this is two ways we encourage or discourage one another. And there's by our words and by our actions. 
by our words and our actions is how we encourage or discourage one another. Words, we speak truth that gives courage to what God said. Now, if I was going to properly encourage somebody in the Word of God, what would I need to know? The Word of God. Amen? Everybody say hallelujah. It ain't just click and paste off of Facebook and, it, well, this sounds good and this popular evangelist said it. It's awesome. You know, we need to look at it and say, what does the Word of God say? See, uh, God told the people, you know, here's the deal. Joshua, Joshua was courageous as is. Joshua was full of faith as is. But God had to tell him, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. He told Moses, he told the people, encourage him. Because it is my will that he possess the land. It is my will that he goes in there, clobbers all the enemy, and you guys take the land and get what I have set aside for you. That is my will. This is a fact. This is truth. So don't doubt it. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. And, it, and even though Joshua probably had more faith than anybody, he told those other people, encourage him. Remind him of what I have spoken to him. Remind him to be brave in the truth that I have spoken into his life. And we need to do the same to one another. We, don't, we need to be more than just optimistic. We need to speak truth into one another's lives by knowing the truth, by reading the truth, by our own faith being built up. And we need to speak the truth into one another's lives. We need to say, hey, this is what God said to you. This is the promise he spoke to you through his word or through prophecy that aligns up with word, he says, believe in it. Believe in it because Satan is a discourager. And we're either aiding him or we are defending him when it comes to our body and when it comes to our relationships with one another. We have got to encourage one another with the word of God. We've got to encourage one another with truth. We've got to give people confidence to do what they need to do to excel in the plan and the will of God for their lives. Amen? It's awesome to see. You know, we have young people. We have all these different people doing various things over here because we are trying to encourage them in the gifts and the callings that God has in their lives because that's why they're here. And we need to help them. We need to enable them to do. So we really need to support each other when it comes to that. We can't just do a pat on the back and say, it's going to be okay. We need to say, look, let's find out what's going on here. What does the Word of God say? Let's believe that together. Let's be encouraged by that together. Because you know what? We need to encourage the faint-hearted. We need to encourage those who are in fear and who are distracted. Because here's the thing. only thing that fear does in our lives is it stops us from focusing on what God wants us to focus. It buys time for the devil to do what he wants to do. And it wastes our time serving God and being blessed in the direction he's called us to do. Amen? So our words are very important, but they just can't be fluffy words. they got to have some meat to them. they got to have some mass, some security, some confidence behind them when we speak to one another. Hey, this is what the word of the Lord says to you. And you know what? We, don't, we need, you know, like, like, uh, like, like William said, this is what the word of the Lord says. Let's don't forget who's saying what. Let's not forget who our source of wisdom and correction and direction and all those things come from. So our words are important, but our words must be backed by the Word of God. Our words must be full of truth, and our words need to be confident in, hey, this is what God says. 
and then our actions. We live courageously in God's word. In other words, our, our attitude, this assurance that's within us is expressed in our attitude that, hey, I'm doing what God says to do, therefore I have nothing to worry about. I can be assured. I can be bold. You look at David when he walked upon the scene and the, the whole nation of Israel is standing there looking at Goliath. They're all shaking. They're all afraid. They're all scared. None of them were encouraged. None of them were confident. None of them uh, were walking in the truth of God's plan for them. But David walks up all alone. Here we got another solo project. And he says, oh, we're not going to have this. You're not going to badmouth my God. You're not, you know what? He might, he might, maybe he thought I may die or whatever, but I'm not going to live and watch you badmouth my God. But he stood, he stood up there, slays the giant, and when he did, the actions that he walked in, the, the convictions that he had, he walked up and killed the giant, and the men of Israel got encouraged, and they immediately began to pursue the enemy. And see, what people need to see in each and every one of our lives is us walking in faith, walking with courage, and that will encourage them to do the same around us. You see, words need to match up with our walk. Our walk needs to be bold. Our walk needs to be courageous so that we can encourage one another. Amen? So we've got to be more than optimistic. We've got to be encouraging by what we say, by what we do, so that people will be built up for the kingdom of God and just for the benefit of each and every one of them, for the sake of the people around us. Because you know what? How, you're, how the people around you go, so go you. Because it's a community. It's a family. The Bible says that if one's crying, we need to be crying with them. One's rejoicing, we need to rejoice with them. So we need to build a community of encouragement in here. We need to, it not, we need to think about what we say. We need to think about what we do and how it affects each person around us for the benefit of themselves our relationships, and the benefit of the kingdom of God. Amen? So I want to ask you today, are you an encourager in your words? Are you an encourager in the life that you live? Or are you a discourager by what you say? Are you a discourager by what you do? Because here's the thing, people, when they look at us, they don't always know, they don't, People don't always know if we're doing what God's asked of us or not. All they see is a Christian that is discouraged. And what most people do is they don't say, well, he must not be, you know, walking in faith. They say, God's left him high and dry. You see, it's because of our discouragement. It is because of our, our, our countenance that people see a people failed by a God who doesn't fail them. You see? We misrepresent God when we don't walk in the faith and when we don't show the world that, hey, I can be courageous. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? This is what we are to portray to the world. It's, it's probably the biggest part of our testimony as believers that, hey, we are courageous people who serve an awesome, powerful God.